All right. Welcome back. Dan on top. Season one. What episode is this? Episode 10. Okay. 10 is a great number. We have an incredible guest live right now. Great friend, colleague, met him on LinkedIn, like everybody, Barry Wolf. Barry, how you doing? Doing well, Dan. Hope you are. Yeah, thank you so Glad much. Yeah, thanks for, for coming, Barry. I really appreciate this. It's been a real pleasure sure. getting to know you over the last few months. I'm looking forward to doing some deals together. In the meantime, we've got you here on Dan on Top of all things commercial real estate. So before we get into some of the nitty-gritty, just tell us a very little bit about your background, who you are, what you do in the brokerage world, and we can kind of go from there, Barry. Yeah, no, certainly. So, yeah, I've been in brokerage since 2001, uh, all with Marcus and Millichap. Sell these single tenant properties, see all over you know, the, the landscape where, where most of us live. If you're not in Manhattan, the Taco Bells, the QSRs, the pharmacies, the banks, uh, the medical marijuana facilities. Um, and we also saw a lot of shopping centers in the state of Florida. And before that, my previous life, I was a practicing commercial real estate attorney for about eight years and private practice. I uh, worked with a lot of commercial real estate developers. I would say it kind of dates me in that back then, these were guys that were developing for Kmart and Walmart. And back in the early to mid 90s, Kmart was you know right there neck and neck with Walmart. You're there at Bloomfield Hills, Michigan in your backyard. And yeah, uh, it, it kind of dates me that Kmart was a you know, the 800 pound gorilla at that point with Walmart, and you know, and then transitioned into the um, brokerage side back in 01 again. Wow, quite a background, Barry. Quite a background. Uh, <laughs> anybody who, who who doesn't know Barry really well or wants to know more, you can follow him on LinkedIn at uh, NetLease Pro. He's an incredible resource. You know, I I, 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 I joke, but I'm not joking. I tell people. I don't really watch the news. I get almost all of my news from LinkedIn, and I get it from my colleagues and my friends. Because if I want to learn about QSR, I'm going to read an article that Danny Klein or Barry Wolf wrote, right? And if I have questions, I'm going to interact with them. So that's kind of the beauty of having having somebody like you in my network, Barry. So first of all, thank you very much. I appreciate you in general, and I appreciate having you on here. Uh, you know, you mentioned some interesting names there: Taco Bell, Walmart, Kmart. What's going on right now in the retail space? I, it's evolving. I mean, obviously, there's 2020 is a crazy year. Um, so there's certainly we've seen acceleration of the disruption uh, going towards online and omni-channel and delivery and curbside takeout. Uh, so it's, it's an evolution we've seen happening, but it's not out of the blue. I was actually I was on a podcast back in December of last year, so long before I'd never heard of the word COVID back then. And we we're talking about the sector. And back then, again in December. I talked about the need for restaurants to nail curbside pickup, uh, delivery, ghost kitchens. We were talking about all of that back in December. It's been accelerated now, but it hasn't come out of the blue. I'm not surprised no, by what's happening. Uh, restaurants have needed to nail this for an evolve and retail in general for a while in reality. Yeah, I agree with you completely. It's funny. I had a guest, a colleague, Evan Lyons, on the show last week. And uh, I asked Evan, I said, of all the names in quick service restaurant, who nails it the best in terms of customer experience? I want to ask that question to you, Barry. I don't even think there's a question about it. It's, uh, it's Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, um, baby. I knew you'd maybe back Maybe right up there. I will say this. There's some others that are excellent as well. In-N-Out does a great job. Panera, on a larger scale, I think does a great mm-hmm. job. But, yeah, Chick-fil-A is is so unique. I mean, there's been there's been many times when I'm, I'm dining in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And I've had the thought to myself, like, you know, somebody comes up to me, can I refill that tea for you? Can I get you anything else? 
And I've had the thought, I mean, I don't frankly eat at McDonald's. My kids get it. I'll get it to go some. But that that just wouldn't happen at any other QSR chain. So I don't even it's Chick-fil-A is the top one when it comes to customer service. And they're the one to watch. I mean, I don't think there's an even I don't think there's a second one that's terribly close. close, But again, a few of them are good, certainly. And look at their sales. I mean, the average unit sales for Chick-fil-A is just they beat everybody hands down. Oh, it's not even a close second uh, right now. And they're cl- obviously, they're closed one of the seven days a week. Um, I will say one chain to keep an eye on that if anybody has a shot of catching Chick-fil-A is related to their you know, stratospheric AUV, average unit volume that you talk of, uh, it's Raising Cane's. Uh, I think yeah. they're one to really watch. Uh, they're getting there. They've got a great, great. Yeah. Yeah, they're, Raising Cane's is, is a force to be reckoned with. And uh, you had a really great uh, infographic, actually, maybe a week or two ago on LinkedIn that uh, talked about that in terms of average unit volume and sales uh, across the, the QSR uh, space. So that was really cool. I appreciate you putting that out there. So Barry's got some great points. Barry's mentioned that uh, Chick-fil-A is number one in customer service. I totally agree with that. Raising Cane's coming up in, in maybe a distant second. Uh, I'm not sure if Barry's still with us. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, which is totally okay. Barry, if you're back with us, just chime in. If not, we're going to carry this on. Uh, so, guys, Dan on top. This is episode 10. This has been an incredible season so far. I want to just take an opportunity here to give some gratitude and some thanks to all the awesome people at NRM, to Paul Benzman for running an incredible program, to all my people in the back who are making things look great, making me look pretty. I appreciate it. And to you, to all the viewers, to all the listeners, to everybody who chimes in with your comments, your concerns, your questions, your requests, and and, and very importantly, <clears throat> excuse me, to my guests, my Barry Wolfs, my Evan Lyons, my uh, – oh, there's Barry. Speaking of Barry, Barry's back, back with us. Just, just, yeah, just mentioning how much I appreciate the guests that come on here because, you know, you're sharing with us some great information about Raising Cane's and about uh, Chick-fil-A. And I was mentioning that it was just maybe a week or two ago you shared a really incredible infographic about uh, a QSR, an average unit volume. And uh, I, I think that that's really something that, that I want everyone to pay attention to is – the amount of valuable content from from content creators like Barry Wolf and myself on LinkedIn or on other social media platforms. Is LinkedIn a big yeah. part of your business, Barry? Um, I wouldn't say it's a big part of my business per se. I mean, I'm active on there, certainly. I think it's a big part of my marketing, my branding, and just yeah, building a presence. Um, but I think yeah, that from a business, you know, just staying in touch with people, communicating with them. But yeah, it's certainly something, you know, somewhere I spend a lot of time on and you know, look to be involved with other people. And yeah, meet a lot like yourself and others out there, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. So, great opportunity. Absolutely. So we touched on before in, in the quick service restaurant space and even on the casual mm-hmm. dining, the customer experience is really changing. There's more of an emphasis right. on speed and on on frictionless and maybe even contactless yeah. experiences. And you know, I, I'm very curious as to your thoughts. Obviously, you don't have a crystal ball, but but where are we headed in 2021 and beyond for quick service restaurant and casual dining? I think it's going to continue to evolve. I had a post on that this morning on, again, talking about LinkedIn, where I I think we're going to see that continuing to evolve. I think you're going to see the dining rooms and quick service get smaller and smaller. And for a lot of the brands, it may even disappear where there really is no dining room. Uh, We've seen that with Dutch Brothers as a coffee chain out of the West Coast that, again, from an AUV standpoint, just crushes it. Crushing it, And they have no dining room. Yeah, it's just double drive-through only, similar to some Starbucks you see on occasion. I think you're going to see more of that, but it's going time. It's not, you know, if you've got an existing 
retrofitted yeah. by eliminating the dining area and double drive through it's going to take several years that we'll see this evolution coming so it's not yeah. going to it's not going to happen overnight in 2021 i think we'll see a a fusions with some new prototypes but it, it won't be that many next year i don't believe well talk to me speaking of prototypes talk to me about the new prototypes for taco bell as far as the double drive-through or triple quadruple even or yeah quintuple who knows but uh, I, also the square footage I mean they dropped from like uh, I think they're dropping to about thirteen hundred fifty square feet up from from about twenty four hundred correct and again that's going to be something we'll see over the next few years it's going to take time I mean you can't as you know with a developer you it takes time to go through planning approvals and get these all done so but we see a few locations that year that next year nationally yeah we'll probably see a few but not. Not many. Uh, I guess it's going to take a couple of years. And again, yeah, I, I think we're going to see, my guess is we'll see a lot of double-ish drive-throughs, maybe some triples in different brands and incorporating mobile ordering, curbside pickup. I think we'll see more and more of that. But again, it's going to take time. It's not It's not happening in 2021 at, at a whole lot of scale, I don't think. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, kind, of, I kind of would beg, beg to differ. I think that these were uh, concepts that were clearly in the works, as you mentioned, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. They didn't just jump out of the blue. It's almost as if I, I kind of think it's almost like they knew what was coming, not necessarily with a pandemic, but in terms of consumer demand and desire. And, and I think now with, with the, the desire for, for contactless uh, drive-through, contactless experiences, and, and the fact that during the shutdowns, these drive-throughs were killing it, right? They were Because right. people were... We're at home with kids, doing school, working from home. They needed to get food. Things were closed. Boom, go to the drive-thru. I know by me, there's a lot of Little Caesars that incorporated drive-thrus years ago. And it was incredible because to this day, you know, literally day and night, these places are packed. I'm talking people in the drive-thru right. lanes at the Little Caesars, you know, around the block. And growing up as a kid in Michigan, I never would have thought about Little Caesars as a drive-thru brand. So I think we're going to see a lot right. of changes in that space. Agree. We're saying, I mean, the sub guys, the Jersey Mike's, the Firehouse Subs, et cetera. I mean, they're incorporating more and more drive-throughs, the tropical smoothies. The, so those guys, the beverage folks, so I think more and more operators are certainly going to continue incorporating drive-through and it's imperative. And yeah, again, I think curbside pickup too. I mean, I think that's yes. something that's cheaper and yeah, easy to incorporate. I think we're going to see more and more of that in the quick service and certainly casual dining also. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually a post that I believe you and I were engaging on yesterday, I think with Greg Parsons and Greg Katz and a few others uh, in regards to curbside pickup for the retail right. sector. I, I think it's quite fascinating. I don't know if it was you, Barry, or somebody else that commented about the costs for shipping versus curbside pickup right. for the major retailers. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, it was interesting. I mean, it talked about, yeah, I think it was uh, Target. It was referencing that the cost for a curbside pickup versus shipping is 90% less. I mean, so the cost savings, not to mention returns. I mean, if you, as a retailer like Target, like Walmart, if you can get the customer to basically take care of that last mile for you instead of shipping, and then if there's a return, they bring it back to your store instead of shipping it back to the store at the tenant expense or the, the retailer expense, the cost savings is tremendous. I mean, Amazon, you, you can't follow the Amazon model. I mean, you and I have talked about what's unique with Amazon is Amazon Web Services. Oh, yeah. Walmart doesn't AWS. have that. Target doesn't have nope, that. Nope, so nope. they need yeah, it. You can't because they need that Amazon. cash. They need that cash infusion. They need that cash cow because, like you said, it's incredibly expensive. And you bring up another good point. Last mile fulfillment, that's the most expensive mile. 
There's no mile in the whole fulfillment that's more expensive than the last mile. And right. what I'm thinking, Barry, as you're talking, is if we can get the consumer to do the last mile fulfillment, that's a win for everybody. No, that's, that's where you need to go. I mean, that's where if you're Target or Walmart, that's where you got to get it. Absolutely. And even even Amazon, I mean, they're building out you know, small distribution centers and facilities all over the country at a very, very rapid pace and very, very big numbers. They realize it. Uh, they know they can't have just a handful of distribution. I mean, they've got a lot more than that already, but they've got to solve for last mile and the way that Best Buy, Target, Walmart, these retailers can do it is using their retail stores. And that's that's the key. I mean, they, they've got to be able to do that or they'll they'll never be able to keep up with Walmart or with Amazon, rather. Yeah, they'll go the way of the Kmart's that used to work for. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it's an evolution. I mean, I'm confident Walmart, Target, Home Depot, these guys are going to do it in reality, realize the importance of it. And they're already doing it in reality. So it'll just have to keep evolving. Yeah, totally. Totally. What other trends do you see, Barry, in the retail space today and in the in the near future? I think just omni-channel, like we've talked about. I mean, it's yeah. funny. Well, it's not funny. It's not the right word. But this time a year ago, we were all talking about the you know, the five E's, and it was yeah you know, or five F's. I mean, as far as furniture and fun, and it was all about just just experiential retail. And ironically, those are the retailers that have gotten just annihilated in 2020, whether that's the, the Dave and Busters, the movie theaters, the, the rock climbing facilities, anybody that was experiential that was crushing it pre-COVID is now getting crushed. And how many of those survive? I don't, I don't know. Uh, some of them will not. Um, so I think it's just continued evolution and um, see where things go. I'm confident retail is going to survive, but it's, it's evolving at a pretty rapid pace right now. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly is. There's a lot of changes going on. And had a great guest on last week, also Tali Kareem, who talked about uh, e-commerce. She's an e-commerce specialist and omni-channel fulfillment. Uh, e-commerce is not a threat inherently to the retail world. It's actually can be as an, as an adjunct. I mean, we, we know that the retailers that are the most successful are the ones that pair the in-store brick-and-mortar foot traffic experience with the e-com experience. And I think that we're going to see a lot more of that and a lot more interplay between the, the large e-com giants and the major retailers, and even the major retailers taking on more of an e-com role. It's going to be very fascinating. I think that one of the great things that come of this, Barry, and I, I believe you'll echo, is that the consumer wins. The consumer wins by getting things quicker, cheaper, and better. And, and I really see that happening over the next few years in, in the retail world. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, I mean, Amazon is going to be doing more and more same day delivery, whether that's by drone or by, you know, by cars and vans. Uh, so you're right. I mean, it's the great consumer standpoint from a frictionless standpoint, from a convenience standpoint, and the, the retailers that frankly are able to compete and match with Amazon on convenience and delivery or availability of product will do well and they'll survive and, and thrive. But those that, that can't in reality are going to go the way of Kmart. Uh, you've got to be able to, to you know, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Amazon in reality. You can't ignore them. Not at all. You definitely can't ignore the A to the Z store. So, Barry, <laughs> again, thank you so much for being here sure. on top here with Dan on top. Any questions while you're on top? No, I think it's interesting. It's a lot of fun just seeing what's happening. And I think we're going to see – 
you know, the fourth quarter of this year, I mean, we're already a month into it almost, is uh, really exciting to seeing where the solution takes us. 2021 is going to be a, another very interesting and exciting years with a lot of evolution. And, you know, medically, we'll have to see what happens because that does have some impact on what we're doing. But uh, no, 2021 is going to be an, a, another year of excitement and evolution and change. And it's going to be, uh, I hate to use the word fun, because there's a lot of things out there right now that are certainly not fun, uh, medically, certainly. But it's going to be an, a very interesting couple of years ahead of us, certainly. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate that positive outlook and attitude. That's one thing that I definitely love about you, Barry. Any, um, I don't know, you, do you need to take that? No, it's okay. <laughs> any last uh, piece of advice for any of our viewers? Yeah, I think just um, keep plugging away. I mean, it's um, it's going to be uh, you know an interesting few weeks coming up with the election, and I'm not getting political at all. I think we just got to put the blinders on and you know go about our lives regardless of what happens in the election, and just take care of business per se for you know, all of us. In reality. That's right. Take care of business. Barry Wolf, thank you so much. Really great to see you. you. Dan on top, episode 10, season one. We appreciate everybody for being here. This was an incredible episode. We've got way more to come. Everybody, have a wonderful rest of your day.